Welcome everyone to the first episode of Things That Move Me, an exploration of inspiration. My name is Ali Khan and I'll be your host on this adventure. Every week on the show, we'll be taking a detailed look at inspiration, the moments that move us and why they do so. Inspiration can come in many forms, film, books, history, music, television, the list goes on and on and on. We'll be looking at every one of these forms and many more. Each week, I'll give you a little bit of context to that week's form of inspiration. I'll talk to you a little bit about why it inspired me, and I'll give you, the listener, some key takeaways to bring that form of inspiration into your everyday life and pass it on to others so that an ever-growing number of people can join us on this exploration of inspiration. We're going to start today with a very special episode, an episode about a great hero of mine, Daniel O'Connell. Specifically, we'll be looking at Olivia O'Leary's fantastic documentary about Daniel O'Connell entitled Daniel O'Connell, the Forgotten King of Ireland. So buckle up, strap in and join us on this exploration of inspiration. documentary just to give a little bit of context um this two-part documentary was brought by brought to you by renowned broadcaster olivia o'leary it, it tracks the journey of daniel o'connell renowned statesman liberator in many ways forefather of uh, the irish state as we know it today uh, and in this two-part documentary uh, olivia tracks daniel's journey from kerry to glasnevin to Rome and he and she chronicles the trailblazing life of the man and the contemporary legacy of Daniel O'Connell so just to give you a little bit of context on Daniel O'Connell for anybody who may not be familiar with the man um Daniel O'Connell was born on the 6th of August 1775 and it was said that the mountains of Kerry uh, specifically, I believe, in Carseveen, shook and shuddered with the arrival of a great Irish hero. He lived until 15, the 15th of May, 1847. He was hailed in his time as the liberator. He was acknowledged as 
He was acknowledged as the political leader of Ireland's Roman Catholic majority in the first half of the 19th century. His mobilisation of Catholic Ireland down to the poorest class of tenant farmers secured the final instalment of Catholic emancipation in 1829 and allowed him to take a seat in the UK's parliament uh, to which he had been twice elected. At the time, I suppose, the demographics of Ireland were very different to what they are now. And a champion of this, the Roman Catholic majority of the population was very much a champion of the vast majority of Irish people who had little to no voice in the governance of Ireland at the time. It really laid down to the fact that the majority of control of Ireland was from the UK Parliament Um the Irish Parliament having been closed since the 1801 Act of Union, the Parliament in London was was responsible for the majority of ruling of uh, Ireland at the time. And within that, there was a, a Protestant ascendancy um, that was in control in Ireland, um, very much, um, I suppose you could say, closely linked or in many ways a, a hand of... Um, the UK London-based uh, government. So an individual who was championing the Roman Catholic majority in the country was, was particularly novel at the time. Uh, at Westminster, O'Connell indeed championed liberal and reform causes. Uh, he was internationally renowned uh, as, a, as an abolitionist, uh, but he failed in his declared objective for Ireland, sadly. The restoration of the Irish Parliament, the repeal of the Act of Union. Against the, backdrop, against the backdrop of growing agrarian crisis and indeed in his final years taking place during the, the, the Great Famine um, or as I um, and, and many scholars have come to refer to it as uh, the, the genocide of the Irish people um, from the, uh, during, this, uh, during the famine from 1847, 1845 to 1849, O'Connell contended with dissension at home. Criticism, criticism of his political compromises and of his system of uh, patronage split the national movement in Ireland that he had singularly led up until that time. So I suppose you could say that while he was successful in championing Catholic emancipation, he was he was unsuccessful in his in one of his core objectives for Ireland, which was um, the restoration of the Irish Parliament back in Dublin. However, as I will go on to explain during the course of this podcast, um, he was in fact more successful in a more far-reaching way than even he could have imagined. So, how did I come upon Daniel? Um, it began when I watched the documentary, which first aired in 2019 on RTE while I was living in Dublin. RTE, for any of our international listeners, is the national broadcaster here in Ireland. Um, and I suppose, like many young people uh, of my generation, we had grown up on stories of sort of the 1916 revolutionaries, the likes of Pierce, Connolly, Thomas Clark, these kind of individuals, and then sort of the revolutionaries of the War of Independence. You know, you're thinking of Michael Collins and that cohort uh, of individuals. Now, what was sort of less well known in our in our generation certainly was sort of the, the 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 other strand of of nationalism that existed in Ireland in many ways the sort of strand that was more 
constitutional nationalism, uh, you could say parliamentary nationalism, a nationalism that sort of uh, was very much about establishing Ireland as an independent state separate to the United Kingdom, uh, but doing so through non-violent means. Um, and it was only when I watched this documentary and I was able to sort of get access to this great chieftain of of this uh, non-violent movement for Irish independence um, was I was I completely blown away. Uh, I watched the documentary. I, I visited Daniel O'Connell's um, tomb in Glasnevin. And indeed, I went to visit his home, which now is a, a memorial and a museum here uh, in, in Dublin. And I suppose what struck me initially about Daniel O'Connell was the, the classical scholar statesman that he was. You know, because in many ways he was the rebel, the revolutionary, the liberator, the innovator. But he was a scholar and an artist too. And that struck me as being incredibly fascinating because I, I resonated a lot with these sentiments, you know, this idea of sort of pursuing the exploration of great ideas, um, advancing the cause of, of, of great knowledge, but also fighting for an ideal having the passion to, 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 and the desire to pursue a great ideal. And this is what struck me very heavily when I watched uh, this documentary. Because here was an individual who was, who was classically trained, a scholar that had studied in the great institutions of Europe, in, in, in France, in Belgium, in... in Ireland, in London, and had sort of advanced his skills both as a an advocate, an orator, a scholar. And then here was a man who desired to take his place in history. He wanted not just to shape the great ideas of our time, but to shape history as it would come to be in future years to come. So I was blown away by this, you know, I was blown away by by the individual and 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 rather than sort of recanting a sort of a chronology of his life. And, and I'm sure uh, there's no doubt that that Olivia O'Leary can do this much better than I can. I will, I will pick and choose over the course of this podcast key moments that struck me uh, on uh, Daniel O'Connell that I feel warrant exploration and that I feel warrant deeper dives because of why they inspired me and because of why uh, how they have shaped my life um, I will then also make the case as I go through this podcast of why Daniel O'Connell in many ways the godfather of Irish democracy the four one of the core forefathers of non-violent resistance and non-violent advocacy for freedom merits discussion, merits uh, exploration and merits in many ways his place in the Irish psyche that I feel like perhaps he has not gotten to the same degree that he deserves. Because 
in many ways, he is the forerunner to individuals such as Frederick Douglass, to Martin Luther King Jr., to Mahatma Gandhi, to John Hume, to individuals that have shaped the world that we know today, um, to Muhammad Ali Jinnah, to, to uh, Alama Iqbal, these individuals who have sort of um, shaped the modern world in many ways. He is very much a, a front runner to a lot of these individuals and, 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 and paved the way for a lot of the, the modern world as we know it uh, today. So I remember the day I got into the University of Oxford. I remember getting the acceptance letter. I remember being over the moon and thoroughly jumping for joy. And I also remember driving um, down towards Merrion Square past a, a the wonderful statue of Theobald Wolf Tone that sits there in um, St. Stephen's Green and going over to Daniel O'Connell's house there in um, Merrion Square and that's the place from which I told people that I got into Oxford um, I told my loved ones and told my friends etc and I remember going to the University of Oxford and the first book I took out of the Bodleian Library at the University of Oxford was King Dan, the marvellous uh, biography of Daniel O'Connell written by Patrick Gagan. And, and in many ways, in many ways, uh, uh, while I was at Oxford, the, the one of the things that I did was I, I, I engaged in this this exploration of other classical scholar statesmen and stateswomen who had shaped um, the world in which we live today and, and who were sort of of the same uh, the same ilk of a Daniel O'Connell um, and I remember you know some of my fondest memories are sitting of, of my time in Oxford uh we're sitting in sitting in libraries, sitting in ancient libraries, sitting in ancient uh, pubs, sitting in cafes, and reading and thinking and writing about these individuals, and it was incredibly inspirational. And all of this started with Daniel O'Connell, um, because uh, uh, you know uh, of the many things that Daniel O'Connell offered was he offered a resurrection of Gaelic and Irish spirits, reminder, uh, a reminder, individ, uh, uh, a reminder that we are indeed of kings and queens, not in any way subjects of, of subjugation and oppression. And I suppose you have to remember that in the, in the Ireland that Daniel O'Connell grew up in, um, there was a huge portion of the population who had... A, a a mindset of being subjects of a wider British empire. But that is not the natural state of Irish people. The natural state is a, is, is a people of kings and queens, a people who are themselves kings and queens. Beautifully, boldly Gaelic, beautifully, boldly Irish. An Ireland for all, Indeed it was, and indeed it is, but an Ireland of transcendent individuals 
and Daniel O'Connell. was a champion of this. You know, down to the fact that he saw himself as the great chieftain um, of the Irish people, the leader of them, but of the people. A leader for the people, of the people. You know, he, he would sit proudly in his home in, in Derry Nan or his home in, in Merrion Square and he would walk out to the high courts uh, or to the four courts rather to go and, and advocate on behalf of the Irish people. And and the whole event of him leaving his home on Merrion Square and striding across the square at a time when a Catholic living on Merrion Square, a, a bastion of Protestant ascendancy and culture, was was as if a, a, a an African-American was living in an all-white neighbourhood in, in Alabama during Jim Crow, in the height of Jim Crow. You know, here was an individual who sought to raise up the Irish spirit. He sought for a resurrection. And I remember um, the revolutionary Dan Breen talked very fondly about Michael Collins, another um, forefather of the Irish state, but of a very different um, strand of nationalism. Then he talked of Dan, of Michael Collins as an individual who raised up the consciousness of Irish people and that such an individual Dan Breen would look upon uh, among the gods would put that name among the gods and indeed I think Daniel O'Connell was of that ilk you know an individual who could who could sit on 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 uh, on the very highest peaks of Olympus amongst the gods on, on the very highest peaks of Mitikas and and would would seek to engage in a widespread restoration of Irish spirits, a widespread attempt to engage transcendence amongst the Irish people. This made my mind soar with possibilities, you see, because here it was, an individual who wanted to engage in creation of a new world and wanted to make history, new history, and... It was totally, totally and utterly revolutionary. It changed my thinking forever. My desire um, inspired me in many ways in my own desire to, 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 to shape ideas, to create new ground, to engage uh, uh, individuals wholesale in a cognitive revolution. And the beautiful thing about Daniel O'Connell was that he had the courage to be his authentic self and he dared to be great and to demand his place in history and this kind of courage I have brought into my own life in, in, in my own way of course and it, is, it has thoroughly inspired me and helped me shape the way in which I look to create my own life in an authentic sense and to be it has inspired me in many ways to be my authentic self and to have the courage to do so continually to have the courage to do so and I think much of these ideals that Daniel had much of the courage that he had much of the way in which he was shaping the world in which he was born into for the better, 
culminated in the moment in the House of Commons when he was elected to the Commons. He was elected as an Irish MP, but he would not take the oath that he was being forced to take. Because as he put it, something in here he did not believe in and something in there he simply wouldn't do. Because as he put it, something in there, in that oath, he did not believe in and something in that oath was simply not true. And so here you have this grand moment, this champion of Catholic emancipation strode into the House of Commons. He was asked to take the oath. A piece of card uh, was presented to him. He refused to do it. And this caused uproar. A vote was taken that evening as to whether or not he would be allowed to come back and, and what to do with him. And there was that beautiful moment where he came back again on the Monday. He picked up the card, examined the oath that he was being forced to take that went against his principles. You see, because he only wanted to come to this parliament because it was a means to an end. A stepping stone to the restoration of Irish democracy in Ireland, in Dublin, an Irish parliament for an Irish state separate to the British Empire, the United Kingdom, to London. And you see... Daniel examined this oath very carefully. Looked it up and down as if he had never seen it before, although he had seen it multiple times. He examined it very carefully and he said, something in here I do not believe in and something in here is simply not true. And with that, he flung the card upon the table casting out the authority of the British Empire, the British Crown and the British Church of England. He turned on his heels and he walked out of the House of Commons and the place erupted in applause. Daniel O'Connell, without ever shedding a drop of blood, fired a shot at the heart of the British Empire, shattering its consciousness, creating the schisms, the chasms, the cracks in the armour that later would be pried apart by the likes of Parnell, Redmond, Collins, creating the state, the independent Republic of Ireland that we have today. And you see, this is why Daniel O'Connell is a special type of revolutionary. Because here's the man who's a classical scholar. They had a temperament, a 
class. What they did was for the good of the country, a cause they represented. In many ways, at that moment, Daniel O'Connell the, became the founding father of Irish democracy because his strength lay in the art of reason, the art of logic, the art of persuasion. He removed in that moment and in his politics the physicality, the violence. He removed that. What he was doing by creating this type of politics was opening it to all members of society. You see... In that moment, the great chieftain, Daniel O'Connell, created a type of politics that could be inclusive of all, irrespective of what gender you were, what ethnicity you were, what race you were, what religion you were. What he was saying is that it was not down to violence. It was not down to physicality. It was not down to your religion or your skin colour or your gender. It was down to, to the, the, the inclusion in this type of democracy was down to higher ideals. Things like logic, reason, persuasion, the desire to transcend, the desire to create a better society. In fact, the desire to be a leading light for your community and the desire to make Ireland a leading light for the world which is what, in many ways, Ireland has become. It is not perfect, but no country is perfect. But Ireland, at its best, is a leading light for what the world could be. And that movement in that direction started with O'Connell. Truly, this is magical. And I think what Daniel O'Connell, for me, in many ways, brought forward was the creation of a magical world. Here was a man who desired to be part of history, to make history, to embrace the adventure of doing so. And he did it. And here is the takeaway that I would give to any individual listening to this podcast today. That if you dare to be great, if you dare to demand your place in history and you have the courage to make it your own, you can live as if in a dream that you have created. You can have that magical quality around you at all times. I know because I live that. So to all the listeners listening today, yes, you, the listener, I'm speaking to you. I say to you, learn from the great chieftain. Learn from Daniel O'Connell. Dare to be the protagonist in your own story. Dare to create. Dare to be great. Dare to take your place in history and to make it your own.